So you want to be a dungeon master? That's great. We're here to help. I'm Taylor. And I'm Justin. This week, we're going to be finishing the basics of creating a character. So we're going to be covering races. We're going to be covering backgrounds. We're going to be covering equipment. But first, let's talk a little bit about advantage and disadvantage. Taylor, what does that mean? So advantage is taking two dice for an ability score or an attack roll or something along those lines. A two, two D20s, rolling them and taking the higher of the two. Disadvantage is the opposite. You roll two and you get use the lower of the two. Um, and that's going to get imposed on you based on certain uh, spells and or environmental stuff. Um, that's kind of... I like to use advantage as like a reward for good role play, but that's... Yeah, that's me. absolutely. I've even used disadvantage for not bad role play. I won't say that, but like for things that are like a stretch. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like you're like, I'll give him, I'll give him the roll, chance. Maybe the dice will right, side with gonna them. You're going to have to roll one twenty. You're going to have to roll two twenties to make this happen, sir. <laughs> exactly. Speaking of which, mm-hmm. now I just want to run it by you. Uh-huh. This is something that I've been thinking about for a long time. I've asked some of our mutual friends and stuff about it. I feel really strongly one way about this, Mm -hmm. and I'm just curious where you're at. Mm -hmm. Now, when you roll either advantage or disadvantage, when you have the opportunity to potentially roll two D20s, Mm -hmm. do you roll two separate D20 dice, or do you roll one D20 dice twice? Why would I roll less dice? is my response to that. <laughs> I have so many dice yeah. that I've spent so much of my hard earned dollars on that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm always going to be, I'm, I'm always using to give any chance to put more dice in my hands. I'm going to take it. Yeah. Love that. I get works. that. I, yeah. And you're in the majority for sure, <laughs> because that's what all of our friends said. <laughs> Wait, but hold on a second. So you're saying you take one, and roll it twice. I take a single D20 and I roll it twice rather than rolling two different D20. That's ludicrous. And here, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Okay, go ahead. Please enlighten me. It feels like if I roll one D20, mm-hmm. I just did it, and I got a 14. Right. Now, if I roll a new D20, that new D20 is fresh. Who knows what, it, what it'll do? Uh-huh. It's completely random. But this D20 just rolled a 14. Surely it can't roll another 14. It's got to be something different. I roll it again. Uh-huh. Okay, that was a four. That was a bad example. But it feels like it uh-huh. is going to roll something different. I don't know what it is. It feels like it betters my chances. Now, before because uh, before people email in, uh-huh. I Googled it. I gave it a bing. I binged it. I know the math Jeeves, doesn't though? support me. And the math I didn't doesn't support Jeez. you at all. It doesn't support me at all. Every top source on Bing reminded me that it doesn't matter how many times you roll a single D20 or multiple D20s. Yeah, it's, always, it's always random. It's always a fresh 1 in uh-huh. 20 chance of yes. getting a particular number. Exactly. But it just feels like <laughs> it might help my chances. See, but like, I don't know. I kind of have the opposite thing and maybe that's like just me being a dice goblin and like but like if i have a die that rolls high this is my personal superstition i'm gonna keep using that one until it betrays me right and then as soon as it rolls a low number it goes straight into dice jail straight to jail yeah no i and i get that too i totally get that i'm the same way i have one particular dice that uh, it kind of has cotton candy colors and I just, it is my, my pride and joy. It's the, it's the one set of dice that never leaves my table. Mm-hmm. I'll switch out dice for sometimes different characters or different, like a month has gone by. I've been using the same dice. I'll switch it out for a different one so that they all get some play. But this one D 20, this is the one I pull out when I'm like, all right, the players are getting a little pompous. Oh, that's the hammer. You're bringing the hammer down. Oh, we're getting the good D20 out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the one. 
And then sometimes when I'm feeling bad for the PCs, I'm like, you know what? Let me get this random, like my, the dice that are prettier for some reason roll worse for me. (laughs) So I save those for when I'm like, I don't really care about this. Oh yeah. (laughs) If I roll low, I roll low. Who cares? So I've got it. I've got a a set of dice like that too. Now we're going to just make this whole episode about dice, but, um, I have this one set. I got it when I first like became like a DM, I think for fi- for fifth edition, when I first started running the uh, game for them, uh, I went out and I got myself like a, a big set of dice. Like I had the one set, you know, you go to the, the, the card shop and you got the, the different, uh, like you get the one set that's got one of each of them in there. It's got the D20, the D4, the D8, all the, all just one of each. Right. So I went there and got like a double sized one that had like four D20s in them. And, um, Oof. those dice betray me. And they're so like, w- I've never <laughs> one time rolled one of those dice against you because I know it's going to fail. I just know it. So those are, those are my yeah. DM dice. Those are my, okay. We're just gonna see. It doesn't really matter. We're gonna throw one of the green D twenties. It's gonna it's gonna roll low. I don't know why it's gonna roll low. I just know in my heart of hearts, yep. it's gonna roll low. Yeah. Sometimes it's like that. Sometimes it it's weird how superstition. Like I'm normally not a superstitious person at all. Like I'll walk under mm-hmm. ladders. I'll punch a mirror in the face, baby. But I <laughs> feel so. <laughs> I feel so superstitious about dice. Yeah. 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 I'm the same. I'm the same way. I remember watching like live play D and D shows like critical role and whatever dimension 20 mm-hmm. and watching the players. This is like before I got really into it myself personally. And I remember watching other people play and they'd be like, Oh, this dice is rolling bad. I can't use it ever again. Uh-huh. And I'd be like, that's BS. Like, uh, <laughs> bing it. The math doesn't support that. Right. And then I started playing D and D and rolling my own dice. It's and real. I was like, it's no, real. No, no. I, I apologize. I retract my mm, statement. Mm. I'm so sorry. It's a real I thing. ever spoke against it. <laughs> it's a real thing, man. The, the, the dice gods are always watching and, um, the dice gods are watching. <laughs> they want to be entertained. <laughs> so, soon. I'm going to end up like Helga from Hey Arnold and I'm going to have like a bubble gum altar they're faceless i don't even know what they look like mm-hmm. but it's gonna i'm gonna have one in my closet hopefully my cat doesn't get to it can cats eat gum uh, we'll bing it anyway bing it later yeah <laughs> we're getting, off, to to we're I, getting I, off topic i know you know it's what's messed up is i have five more questions about dice and yeah. i'm like justin no, no, no. We'll, bring it back we're, <laughs> we'll we'll make a special dice episode it'll be yeah yeah we'll on do the it. patreon we'll do it live <laughs> we'll do it live <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So yeah, let's so get into it. So, what are we? We're we're talking about uh, finishing out your characters. Yep, making your own character, having a good understanding as a DM what the different races and uh, different types of characters are capable of. Because not only will that help you in like an obvious way, like building NPCs, but also understanding what your players are good at. That way, you can throw them a bone. And be like, oh, the bad guy cast a charm spell against my party of half elves mm-hmm. <laughs> to make them feel mm-hmm. good when they all have advantage. But there's a bunch of different playable races available for you in 5e for D&D. But l- I think we're just going to go over the ones that are available in the player's handbook for this particular episode. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into some of the other kind of crazier. Not, yeah, they're crazier crazier races uh, on another episode. But for right now, just for being able to sit down and make a character, we're going to just stick to the stick to the handbook so we can at least not require you to buy a bunch of books to get these other races. Cause there's how many, how many like core rule books are there now? I'm looking at, well, you got the player's handbook, the dungeon master's guide you have the monster manual you have xanathar's guide to everything you have volo's guide to monsters tasha's cauldron of everything i think that would be considered as core as it could get without getting too supplemental Mm -hmm. 
Cause then you got like, obviously every once in a while they'll come out with like a module. Right. Right. That has a, like the explorer's guide to wild mount. Now that's like the critical role setting mm-hmm. and it's an adventure module, but it does feature a bunch of different playable races. It even has like different subclasses or different spell lists and all different kinds of stuff for character building, but it is an adventure module. So I don't, I wouldn't count that as a core book. Right. There's so many options between the player's handbook, Volos, and there's Mordenkainen. Oh yeah, Mordenkainen and uh, Tasha. So between the those like four books, like each one of them has like ten races. Yeah, it's wild. Like you can be anything in this game. It really is crazy. There's so many like hippo people. Oh yeah, the gif. Gif. Turtle people, turtles, sea elves, yep. Janasi, yeah. hobgoblins, kenkus, kobolds, all different kinds of shit. But let's stick to the basics. <laughs> let's stick to the basics. The first one probably we should talk about then. Let's just go how it is in the book. Uh, Dragonborn. Dragonborn. What's a dragonborn? Dragonborn are pretty much humanoid dragons. <laughs> They got Mm -hmm. this reptilian dragon-like face. They have, like, scaly skin. They usually, like, 99% of the time don't have tails, although I've seen some DMs just flavor it that way, that they have tails just for fun, but no big deal there. Mm -hmm. Um, But they specifically do not have wings, and they're humanoid, so they have, like, you know, bipedal, two legs, two arms, human-ish. In that way, mm-hmm. which is true for all for, of these, I suppose. Yeah, for <laughs> all of these ones. Centaurs, don't even get me started on centaurs. I have beef with centaurs, but another episode, please. I don't have time. There's another, yeah. <laughs> all right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have brought it up. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Bye, forgive you. Um, but Dragonborn are super cool. Before we get too deep into it, though, let's talk a little bit about racial ability score increases. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Let's, yeah. So, the way the rules as written were presented with the player's handbook when 5th edition first came out is different races, so dragonborn, dwarf, elf, so on and so forth. Each race, you usually get plus two to one of your ability scores and then plus one to a different one. And it's very specific to each race. For example... Dragonborn get a plus two to strength and a plus one to charisma. Later down the line, when they came out with Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, which is a supplemental core rule book, sort of, they made a little bit of changes and they kind of presented it as like an optional rule. So it's like, hey, if you like the old way, by all means, let her rip. But here's another potential way to do it. And that was really like, it doesn't matter what race you pick. You can just add two to any of the ability scores and then add one to a different one. And the idea was we don't want you to feel like you have to pick a specific race so that it maximizes your potential for this class. And it also opens it up to maybe some more interesting backstory ideas. So like Dragonborn are, when you think of them, they're very strong. They're big guys, but, or gals, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) but wouldn't it be interesting if there was a dragonborn who's real slender and nimble and dexterity was their jam? And then you'd have to kind of think about why is that? Why are they different than all the other dragonborn? Well, maybe they grew up in a circus. Maybe they burped while they're on the trapeze wire and the tight wire partner fell. Easy dex build backstory material here. Easy, easy. All kinds of stuff. You need to do dex build? <laughs> Go to circus. They're acrobat. Cirque du Soleil. Bingo. Bango. Um, because really, though, when you look at the Dragonborn, for the ability score crease increases that you get, rules is written, um, you get uh, two to your strength and one to your charisma, which would pretty much only lend itself to help to be helpful in like a, a, a strength build character, so like a barbarian or a, a fighter or something like that. Yeah. Or a, like a sorcerer. And a paladin would be situation. sick. A paladin, right. Uh, yeah, Dragonborn Paladin rules as written is good because you have your your ability scores both are used by your class. So that's what we kind of mean by like you have to pick a certain race for a certain class that the new rules have kind of gotten rid of because like 
it wouldn't make sense rules is written to do anything but some kind of a strength charisma build for a dragonborn just because that's where your ability score well i'm you know you can flavor it however you want but when you want to min max and be as strong as possible yeah. you're gonna make sure that your strength and your charisma are you know being utilized those increases because that's how you're gonna get a 20 on a stat is using these increases for your races exactly so it just opens up the options for you mm-hmm. uh, again it is an optional rule talk to your dm dms talk to your players make sure everyone's aware of that because if you don't say it players might assume that the rule is one or the other right so it's all about communication but yeah, um, let's uh, let's talk about a little bit kind of one of the, at least what I think is probably the coolest thing about Dragonborn in that they have a breath weapon, just like a dragon. Very cool. So depending on your heritage, um, what color dragon you descend from, um, you'll do a different type of damage with your fire breath. Or well, it's not fire breath, but your breath weapon. They're, so like a gold or a red dra- a red dragonborn is going to have a fire breath, which is a dexterity saving throw. Most of them are dexterity saving throws. There are a couple notable exceptions though. Poison and cold breath weapons make a con save, a constitution saving throw instead of a dexterity saving throw, yep. which for some things is uh you know a way to get around a you know sticky enemy that is hard to hit you can make them take a uh, saving throw in something they're maybe not so good at because dexterity is pretty common for most aoe style uh things but making it a constitution saving throw instead of a dexterity saving throw a lot of times it'll throw at least the tank off a little well maybe not the tank but some casters and stuff off yeah for sure and the same way that like it's based on the color dragon that you're like descended from that also lends itself not just to what type of breath weapon you have, but you also gain a resistance and damage. So if you're a green dragonborn, not only do you breathe a cone of poison gas, um, but you also are then resistant to poison damage. So, which could be nice, obviously a little circumstantial. It really depends on the campaign, but could be really nice. Could be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. Could, could be cool. Could be cool. Could be cool. Um, but yeah, that kind of moves us on into our next one. These little guys are sturdy. They're hardy, resilient. They're the dwarves. Rock and stone. Oh, wait, no, wrong game. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> what is that a reference to? You don't know that? No, it's a uh, deep rock galactic. All right, never mind. You can cut that out. That's fine. <laughs> I'm keeping it in. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so dwarves. So. I think if I were to describe dwarves to almost anybody, I would use Gimli from Lord of the Rings pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. If they haven't seen Lord of the Rings, then I'm starting to have some trouble in how to describe a dwarf other than like, cause they're short, but they're not like halfling or gnome short, right? They're like right uh, on average between four and five feet tall, which is not like, it's not like a gnome or something where it's like real, real small. They're just on the low end of yeah. average. And they do have a slightly slower walking speed, mm-hmm. but it's not reduced by heavy armor, which is nice. They get a couple cool proficiencies when it comes to some weapons, depending on what class you use. That could be fun. They get some tool proficiencies. They get resilience against poison damage, as well as saving throws against poison. And that's kind of, I think, the most useful stuff. Mm -hmm. Everything else is pretty circumstantial. Like stone cunning, which gives you, um, I believe you get to double your proficiency when you're making history checks related to stonework. There, somewhere out there, there's a campaign where that comes in clutch. Right. But in the other 98 games out of 100, Uh not so much. (laughs) You mean you don't have a fully uh architecture centric game i do but you know it's funny it's all wood it's all wood oh damn i know i I, I missed wow way to really way to really cut the legs out from that boy (laughs) (laughs) anyway that's kind of your dwarf for the most part you also, mm-hmm. you could choose, there's some subclasses. You could choose a mountain dwarf or a hill dwarf. And there's some like little, spe- uh, 
specific things that differentiate them, but that's kind of your basics for dwarves. Yeah. So then I guess the next one, if we're going to, let's keep with the Lord of the Rings themes here and go to the elf. Let's do it. This is your kind of slender, uh, Legolas type with the, the stunning looks and the just kind of air of grace about them. Yeah. They're generally, I think a little taller than most, if I'm not mistaken, uh, five or six. Uh, so, I mean, average, average size, I guess, you know, rules is written. You're in a dexterity, they get the dexterity bonus. So they're very, you know, slender, fast, kind of cool people. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's pretty much like Legolas when you think about it, right? It, Cuz mm-hmm. it is like slender, graceful. They live really long lives, which is always like a really cool thing to role play. Mm-hmm. They often have some sort of connection to nature, although that is entirely a conversation that should be had with your <laughs> DM and your players because they don't have to, <laughs> but that's kind of like the normal lore. Right. And then After that, I mean, it's really like the biggest thing that elves have on top of other races is fey ancestry. In my opinion, the most important thing is fey Mm -hmm. ancestry, which means you have advantage on saving throws against being charmed and magic can't put you to sleep. So that knocks out so many of the control spells that would get used against you because advantage on being charmed. So you're not getting any kind of uh, like, or not, maybe not, you're not, not getting it, but I think I threw way too many negatives into that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I got a little tongue tied, Um, but you know, you're not like, it's not a guaranteed that you're going to get the saving throw, but you know, advantage is big, you know, being able to just in that off chance, your dice are rolling bad that day to have the the backup is real. Definitely. And it's huge. Like Taylor was saying, like there are so many spells that you wouldn't even necessarily think in your brain, like, Oh, this is a charm spell. Like charm person, obviously a charm spell, Mm -hmm. but then there are other spells that that you wouldn't even think that it's charm spell. And then in the first line, it'll be like this spell charms this person. You're like, damn it. It is a charm spell. Mm-hmm. All right, where's the human? Cast it on the human. What the uh, what what school of magic is that? If we're enchantment usually. Enchantment. Okay. So usually yeah. it's enchantment. Yeah. Um, and then you are going to also get something that's really clutch, especially as a racial ability. Although I find I think that most races get this. I maybe it changes when you expand it past like the player's handbook races, but, um, and that's dark vision. Mm -hmm. Dark vision is huge. Uh, we should have mentioned it with the dwarves. They also get this. Yeah. But dark vision is huge. So what it does is you, I mean, kind of just like it sounds right. You could see in the dark (laughs) essentially. So imagine your character is in a pitch black room, zero light source whatsoever. What that means is that up to 60 feet, dim light looks like it's bright light. And pure darkness looks like dim light. And that's dark vision. Yep. Not a ton else to say on that. And then the only other thing about elves that is really going to, man, is it going to throw your DM for a loop is trance. Oh, yeah. You only need four hours for a long rest. Yep. And it's like you're meditating and such dreams are actually mental exercises that have become reflexive through years of practice. I mean, it's very confusing because it's like, God forbid, (laughs) You have players who are like trying to squeeze every moment out of every day in the game. Cause then it's like, all right, for this four hours, here's what I want to do every night. And then it's like, good boy. I gave you a book that I said it's going to take you this long to read. And now you're reading that book in two days because I forgot you had trance (laughs) (laughs) been there. But anyway, that's just, you know, that's my own personal gripe past that. They're the two main type of, Elves are high elves and wood elves. There are so many other types, but Mm. (laughs) for the sake of ease, those are the two main types. I think of high elves as like, when I think of a high elf, I think of like, um, oh God, where do they form the fellowship of the rings? 
What's that city called? Rivendell. Rivendell. That's what I think of. Right. As high elves. Yeah, like yeah, kind of yeah. hoity toity, like kind of just like, oh, I'm very prim and proper. I'm an mm. elf. I've been around for a thousand years. <laughs> and then when I think of wood elves, I think of more like you got like the camo on your face and you're just like roughing it in the woods. <laughs> right. Uh, that's just me. That's how I differentiate them in my brain. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Those are the two different kinds of elves. And like I said, there's also probably 10 more kinds of elves on top of that. Oh yeah. And I'm sure there's even more in Mordenkainen and Volo and all the other ones. A hundred percent. There are, I think I saw one that was a sea elf, but yeah, anyway, um, yeah, sea elves, dark elves, (laughs) some things have sun elves and moon elves, but I think that's like a, a specific setting. I don't know. There's so many kinds, man. Huh. But some, a particular race that maybe, I, at least I don't think so. I don't think it's in Lord of the Rings. If it is, I'd be really surprised. Gnomes. Gnomes. Yeah. Just little guys. Just little guys. Yeah. Little, little guys. Uh, three to four feet tall. Um, so shorter than dwarves. The average about 40 pounds. That expression that you say sometimes, um, not you specifically, Taylor, oh. but the royal you <laughs> that you sure. say sometimes where you go, man, I, I, I can't trust him as far as I can throw him. <laughs> you can't actually throw these guys. You really can. <laughs> now, this is interesting. So there's a thing in D&D with, um, <clears throat> uh, called size. And we've been mentioning size like loosely. Like we were saying, mm. oh, this guy's five feet tall, six feet tall. But that's not actually what size is. Right. Or at least not in a mechanical standpoint. Yeah. When we're talking about size, it has to do with there are specific categories of size and there are certain abilities and spells and all different kinds of stuff where size becomes the qualification for whether or not you can do this thing. So it starts off at tiny. You're just a little tiny little guy. Like one to two. And then small, which gnomes are. And then you have medium. And medium are like humans, dwarves, elves, dragonborn, all of the races. Are dwarves medium? Oh, yeah. Everything is is medium that we're going to talk about with the exception of gnomes and halflings. Gotcha. All of those are, those two are small. Fair. Okay. And then it goes after medium, it goes large, then huge, then gargantuan, which is as big as it gets in fifth edition. Mm Mm-hmm. That'll come into play with certain abilities. All that, all the actual things we'll get into if it becomes just relevant. Otherwise, you can just bang it. <laughs> gnomes, just bang it. Bing. Gnomes D&D actually are sizes. Super cool. I love gnomes. I want to play more gnomes. Note to self: play no more gnomes mm. because gnomes have the superior version of fey ancestry. Yeah, lay it on us. Gnome cunning. It's all, all intel. You get advantage on all intelligence, wisdom, and charisma saving throws against magic in general, not just charm spells, yeah. but magic. You don't get the um, invulnerable to magical sleep thing that you would, but normally get for uh, fey ancestry. But advantage on all saving throws against magic pretty much except for constitution. Yeah. And the important thing is that it doesn't say spells. It's magic. Oh yeah, it just says magic. Bananas. <laughs> that is bananas. But yeah, they're just little guys. And there's a couple different kinds of gnomes. You could be a deep gnome, which uh they kind of live underground and they're usually like a little kind of nasty boys. And then you have your rock gnomes and they're known for being like tinkerers and stuff like that. Uh, You can even like, you get a tinker ability where not only are you proficient with tinker tools and stuff like that, but you can also spend an hour and make little tiny devices like a fire starter or a music box, which is pretty cool. Mm. It's one of those things. It's like a fun role play option. I like really simple things like that because I like trying to break the game using the dumbest things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's how you win D&D. That's how you win D&D. That's really how you win is, is you try to subvert the rules as much as you can while staying within the bounds mm-hmm. of the rules. Like when you cast light on a piece of paper and then you put that piece of paper inside of a map scroll case... And now you've invented the flashlight. Mm-hmm. Bingo, bango. 
Bingo, bango. You can do that with all kind of fun stuff. I'm sure there's a way to make guns. Oh boy, probably. <laughs> Cannons. Probably. But moving on, after gnomes, we have probably one of the most popular of the playable races, mm-hmm. at least in the player's handbook, the half-elf. Yeah. Well, because kind of rules is written, they're a little broken. Um First thing is like the instead of getting like the plus two to one stat and plus one to another stat, um, this one gets plus two to charisma and then plus one to two other ability scores. Yeah, it's bananas. So you actually get plus four ability scores there. Plus you get dark vision. Plus you get fate ancestry. It's it's really you get a lot of bang for your buck with this. Yep, and you get proficiency in two skills of your choice. So. Depending on the class that you're choosing, if you pick Bard on top of this, it's game over. Mm-hmm. You're proficient in everything. Yeah. That's unreal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the interesting thing, and I've always thought this was a little interesting, they've gone into depth talking about different options and different ways to flavor this and stuff like that. But when you look at, like, especially in the player's handbook, when you look at pictures of half elves, it is like 99% of the time. Half elf is very obvious. It's one side of your family lineage is from elves and the other side is almost always from humans. But I think as long as you have a conversation with your DM Mm -hmm. and you talk about your, like any mechanical changes that you would expect or something, if there's no mechanical changes, then easy peasy that much more, but like have fun with it. Maybe you're, maybe it's elves and dwarves, right? Maybe it's elves and orcs or something wild. You know what I mean? I don't see why not. I mean, if you're not changing hmm. the stats too much, like what's the big difference? Yeah. I mean, it all really comes down to flavor. Exactly. You know, I will advise to avoid bending the rules too much until you know what you're bending. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Until you know what you're trying to break. But for the most part, I mean, especially when it comes to character creation, you can be pretty fast and loose with a lot of this stuff especially when it's flavor and yeah when we say that in case you're wondering in case you're listening and you're like what are they talking about this isn't food we're going to flavor town <laughs> hell yeah um what we mean is like it's just the aesthetic right like it's you're not changing the physical rules of the game it's not rolling different dice or giving you different abilities that give you advantage and x y and z it's just it looks different so you know when taylor's character cast this spell it comes out with red light and when i cast it it's blue light that's just different flavor it doesn't matter it doesn't change how the spell works it just looks different and who the hell cares yeah and for like uh, like a practical type of thing it's like um Oh, I want a gun in fifth edition. Okay, cool. Well, you get a light crossbow stats and we're just going to say it's a gun. Exactly. So you use all the same stuff for a light crossbow, but it's a gun. Yeah. Who cares? Who cares what it looks like? Exactly. It really, there's. As long as you're not, as long as you're not trying to break the game too, too much with it, you know? Yep. Why? Why bother? Why, Why fight it? That's it, man. It's like. There are so much things, but it does require like an understanding of the rules and what should be bent and or broken and what should not be bent and or broken. Right. Some things it's cool and there's ways that you can bend things and then work it in a different direction to balance it. And then there's other things where you're going to regret that decision, (laughs) whether you're the DM or the player, depending on what the specific decision was, but Magic items are where I always, I always uh, mess up. Same, <laughs> same. Mm. Like when I told so, my group, it's so easy to make your players OP. It's so easy. Yeah, like if you homebrew some cursed items, never tell your group that they're cursed. And if you do, yeah, if you do, let them know that the second they remove the curse from the item, it stops being magical. Because then you get into a metagame situation that you forced on yourself. It's not even the player's fault when they metagame that. Because you did it. You told them that it was a cursed item. Yeah. And they were like, sick, we'll just remove the curse. And then you're like, all right, wait a minute. (laughs) And, you know. I mean, that technically, but to be fair, though, that is a spell. 
Like there is a remove curse. Oh, no doubt. For specifically that purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should have. What I'm saying is that I should have at that moment been like, no, you either accept the curse or you don't get all the magical qualities. Like I should have nerfed the hell out of the magical item if you're just going to remove the curse every two days. Because then it right. like, what's the reason for the curse? And the curse is supposed to balance out how OP the item is. So if you're if right. you're not worried about the curse, then you're just getting the benefits of the item, and now it's an OP item. So it's like, yeah. ugh, I should have nerfed the item, or I should have not mentioned that it was cursed, and had it been something that they figured out, or I don't know. That's just my own. But thing. see, if the, the, in that particular encounter, if that NPC had given us cursed items without telling us, there would have been a huge problem. Oh no doubt. Yeah, I don't know for sure. Um, <laughs> it would have had to been like. Uh, there would have had to been some type of extenuating circumstance as to why that was. Right. And I can't remember off the top of my head and we should move on to halflings, but yeah, I think, yeah, for sure. I think the identify <laughs> spell doesn't mention curses in which mm. case it is possible that the shop owner genuinely didn't know that it was cursed, which obviously wasn't this wasn't yeah. the case here. But anyway, you live and learn, you live and you learn. Uh, so speaking of uh, living and learning and loving and laughing, all those things, halflings, they live the good life. They live a good life. Um, they're, they're, they're the little the little guys, just like the gnomes, um, but a little different where like the gnomes are kind of like tinkers and going out into the world and exploring and stuff. Halflings like to just chill at the house and eat, man. Like that's their jam. Yeah. They do get uh, one of the better racial feats. I would say one of the best racial feats with Lucky. Um, if you roll, anytime you roll a one, you can just re-roll the die. Yep. For and that, but then you have to take the second one. You can't just like roll the one. Oh, I rolled another one. Oh, I rolled. You know, you can't. Whatever the second roll is, you might, you have to take it. But it effectively grants you immunity to critical fails. Pretty much. Which is big. Yeah. It is really nice. There's also some like really specific stuff that like I could see it being insanely useful depending on how min max you're trying to get certain classes. For example, Mm -hmm. the Lightfoot Halfling, which is one of the subclasses, you can hide behind a creature that is one size larger than you. (laughs) Now, most of your party members are going to be medium, whereas you're a small member. So you could be in the middle of a desert, like flat land. And all you have to do is just walk just, behind a teammate and now you can hide. So if you're the rogue trying to get sneak attack, that could be incredibly useful. Yeah. And then halfling nimbleness, which is all halflings, not just any sub race. Mm-hmm. You can move through the space of any creature that is a size larger than you. Normally you can't move through an enemy space. So if like an enemy is taking up this particular little square on the map, you can't move through that. A halfling as long as it's a size larger, mm-hmm. a halfling can. And that can be so helpful in a combat. Oh, yeah. not Because, you know, one of your biggest tools as a DM is going to be to pen your players in. But it could be huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bottlenecking is yeah. can be make or break. Um, so having a character that can just kind of bypass all that can really shake things up, to say the least. Yeah, very big. And yeah. next... I was like, I, was, I think that's it on <laughs> uh, ha- uh, Halflings. Yeah, I, the only thing we didn't mention is that they're they're pretty much hobbits. Yeah, they are. Well, they are hobbits, I mean, and then uh, they like released it as hobbits, and then Tolkien's family came at, uh, I think it was... Gygax. Gygax for using hobbits. And he's like, well, fucking fine. We'll just make them Halflings then. And just changed the name and there, but yeah, like it's, it's a hobbit from Lord of the Rings. It's a hobbit. Yeah. But next up is our other half raced kind of playable race, the half orc. So in some ways, same vibe as the half elf, mm-hmm. you're going to have orcs on one side of your family. So big brooding, proud leaders, tough, usually pretty uh, intimidating. They have tusks coming out of the lower jaw. They, I mean, 
I feel like most often they have like gray or greenish skin, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah. And then the other side of your lineage is normally human, but again, talk with your DM, talk to your players. I think as long as you're not changing the rules and it's just for flavor, freaking letter rip, mm -hmm. uh, big feats for half orcs, uh, dark vision menacing, which gives you uh, proficiency and intimidation. The big one though is relentless endurance. When you go to zero hit points huge. and you're not killed outright, you can go to one hit point instead. The first time it happens. And then uh, you can't use it again after a long rest. But, I mean, that's wild. That means your yeah, whole party could get smashed by something. Everybody goes down, but you're still standing. Yep. That can be really, really nice. Obviously, it's a little situational in the sense that, like, if the creature has three attacks and the first attack brings you to zero uh -huh. and you pop back up at one, then the creature has two more attacks to just bring you back down. Mm -hmm. But that could be the difference between those attacks cutting into your save, your death saves. Right. Or going against a Even party if, member. Yeah. It's huge. It, it is such a great ability. It does, yeah, like you said, it does recharge on a long rest. But, man, it is dope. And then you have Savage Attacks, which gives you extra damage, um, specifically with melee attacks, but it gives you extra damage when you have critical hits, which is when you're rolling an attack roll and you hit that nat 20, that's also known as a critical hit. Mm -hmm. That's half orcs. That's pretty yeah. much half orcs. Uh, next up is probably... Hubei. Probably a race that I would only recommend to like the most beginner of players who also like has never played tabletop, have has never played an RPG. Just like is somebody who comes to me and is like so worried about the rules mm -hmm. and like having a bunch of abilities. I think that's like maybe the only time I would push this race of people onto them. And that is the human. Okay. All right. So a lot of heat, a lot of heat on the human. And I don't, <laughs> I don't disagree. Um, they are probably the easiest uh, characters to role play because, you know, you are one. Um, How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, you don't really get a whole lot. Uh, as far as you do get, um, you can do uh, uh, the variant human, yeah, which allows you to pick a feat at level one, which is big. Feats are yeah. very broken. Yeah, call than the podiatrist. That, these mm -hmm. feats are broken. These feats are broken. Uh, <laughs> but we'll get into that. It's, it's features. I think it's not F E E T. It's F E A T. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so like different class fe or features that you get for your character that makes your character yours, basically. Different from everybody else's. That's a huge way to change how your character plays versus somebody else with almost identical stuff. Yeah, it's just a cool ability that can set mm -hmm. your character apart, for sure. Mm -hmm. There's some that are out of combat, some that are in combat, some that I guess could kind of be a little bit of both, but... Yeah, they're dope. Variant human, yeah, is definitely, I think, the way to go just because of that feat. Other than that, it's pretty basic. Um, yeah, you're not, you don't have dark vision. Nothing you don't have any of the fey ancestry. You don't have really anything to keep track of because you just don't get anything. Exactly. It could be a fun challenge for an experienced player. That's right. what I think. Like, I think it could be fun to be that kind of uh normie human character and not have dark vision like be the one person in your group yeah. who doesn't have dark vision and but doesn't try to get those like <laughs> dark vision goggles in the first two sessions <laughs> mm -hmm. i think that could be fun to a certain degree i've done it before i've played humans but i don't think i've ever had to deal with actual darkness natural <laughs> darkness Ever. I know in it's any, hard. in any character ever. I don't think I've ever one time picked a class that didn't have dark vision. Man, it's just dark. Vision it's called is really dungeons huge. and dragons. Dungeons are dark, <laughs> dude. They you gotta be able to often see. are. Yeah. 
dungeons are often lacking in infrastructure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and therefore, the lighting isn't always great. Yeah, but I, as a DM, I will say this. Sometimes I have fun with it because dark vision only goes out to 60 feet. True. A longbow can shoot 150 feet away. Mm-hmm. If you are fighting with like dragons, have true sight. So there's different ways that you can exploit dark vision and kind of sort of just remind the players that like, it's not dark vision. Doesn't just mean I can see in the dark forever and always. Right. Yeah. It does have a range. It's 60 feet. Yeah. Yeah. So like there is a way to still have darkness be a thing, but it is also like, that's another thing that you have to keep track of on the map. Uh huh. And 60 feet is a large distance. Be ready to that. It is large. You got to find big old maps. (laughs) Oh boy. Um, yeah, that's, I think that's it for humans. There's really not a lot to talk about there. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, the last one is, uh, the tiefling, which is like, um, it's a half devil. So like think like the devil from tenacious D and the pick of destiny with the big horns and the cloven hooves and the, I, I don't know. I don't think he has a tail. Tieflings have tails, but like really that's <laughs> kind of, it's like that, but like normal human sized. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like aesthetically, that's pretty much it. Mm. The only difference is that tieflings can come in a wide variety of skin colors. Mm. Um, they don't have to just be like the most stereotypical. Like when you think of like Judeo Christian devils, you're like red skin always. Right. <laughs> but it's like, eh, they can be purple. Yeah. Or pink. Or I've even seen like skin colored, like uh like normal human skin colors mm-hmm. for tieflings, and it looks dope. Like it 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 pulls yeah. it, it pulls it off. Um, it's the horns. The yeah, horns are cool. The horns are cool, the tail is cool for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the fun thing when you're making a tiefling, other than just like, oh, I'm gonna have purple skin, you could also change the shape and size of your horns. Yep. You could do ram horns, you could do those weird like uh Oh, pronghorn. I don't know all the types of gazelles, Taylor, but <laughs> the ones that twist. Oh, uh, those oh, ones. Oh, man. It's like a. Impala. I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> what it's going to say, Ibex. That could be it. That's what I'm saying. You, There's so many options. <laughs> yeah, you could. You could. There's. You could be like those, uh, the longhorn cows or. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not, I'm not even Texas thinking about, I'm not thinking, no, 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 not Texas Longhorns. I'm thinking of the really goofy looking ones where it's just like a cone on either side of their head pointing oh, straight God, out yeah. to the side. It's like some, uh, some, it's like a Scottish cow or something, I think, but they look oh, so boy. goofy, but I mean, it's horns. You <laughs> can do it. You could have goofy ass horns if you wanted. It could be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And then, so you're going to get that dark vision. You're going to get hellish resistance. So you have resistance to fire damage. Then you get a really cool thing. Infernal legacy. This is going to give you a couple of spells, no matter what class you pick. Mm -hmm. So you're going to learn a cantrip right off the bat, the thaumaturgy cantrip at third level. You're going to learn hellish rebuke as a second level spell. So that's really dope. And hellish rebuke is like a reaction spell. So somebody hits you and you as a reaction cast fire back at them. And then at fifth level, you can cast darkness spell and you get access to all these things. The cantrip, obviously you can cast over and over again, but hellish rebuke and darkness. You can cast them each once per long rest. And you're going to use charisma as your spell casting ability for these spells. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that we should talk about since we've been talking about dark vision a whole bunch and we just brought up the darkness spell. Dark vision doesn't work in darkness spell, mm. in the darkness spell. The darkness spell is a magical darkness that can't be pierced by dark vision. I'm pretty sure it's in the it's in the spell text for darkness itself, but just bear in mind like magical darkness if you're trying to go like a way of shadow monk or something like that and like be able to bamf in and out of stuff, you still have to be able to see through magical darkness. You can't just see all the time yeah there's a couple of times uh spells where magical darkness or magical something or other will still be able to overcome your dark vision yeah it can get a little complicated mm-hmm. but for the most part just think of spongebob and patrick hitting rock bottom there's darkness mm-hmm. and then there's advanced darkness <laughs> 
And that's all you need to know. <laughs> Not literally. There's actually so many nuances. Yeah. As I learned this past freaking weekend <laughs> when it was like, okay, the darkness spell very explicitly is like, if the spell is second level or lower, darkness wins. Mm-hmm. But then what if it's a channel divinity and it's not even a channel divinity that casts like bright light. It casts dim light. Right. So then I'm sitting there and I'm going, what the fuck is this? What the (laughs) hell do I do with this? You motherfuckers. (laughs) Now I got a goot. Now I got to bing it. Now you got to bang it. (laughs) Here I am binging it in the middle of a game. And eventually I just came up with a compromise. Can I ask now that we're, Uh what did you think of that compromise? Um, An appropriate compromise. I think there were a couple of times where, like, it wouldn't make sense for her light to keep going. Like, I caught her in the darkness oh, bubble yeah, a couple of times. Have gone it, it. Yeah, yeah, it should have just winked out. Like, it shouldn't have been able to get out. But, like, at the time, it wasn't really that big a deal. And, really and honestly, I wasn't trying that hard to win that fight anyway. Like, yeah, I mean, I that's kind of how I felt trying, too. but I wasn't really like trying, trying. If I was really trying, trying, Ash would have died immediately. Oh, no doubt. You <laughs> could have just hit been... people who were unconscious. Yeah. Yeah. For people listening, I run a random like side game with a bunch of people and we run it specifically. Anytime I'm like, hey, can everybody make this game? And everyone's like, yeah, we can make it. And then one person is like, oh, I can't do that Sunday. Then I'm like, oh, sick. I have this completely other game that I run on days where there's Mm -hmm. one person who can't make it and it's a lot of fun. And it was falling on a day that normally Taylor would be playing with us, but that particular game wasn't going on. So I was like, Hey Taylor, do you want to play in this game as like a guest character? And then I was like, "Eh." and also do you want to be a villain? I said, and I said, (laughs) rather than having Taylor just like join for the final combat. I was like, I don't want Taylor to have to sit around for three hours while we role play up to the final combat. Oh no. Let me figure out a way to get him to join (laughs) in. Yeah, I got it. So we had a nice little kind of set up combat right up at the beginning and nobody one time asked like nobody one time did a, a, like a, 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 insight check insight check asked me my full name really thought no. anything of it of like anything really so it was really yeah. easy to just be like okay well just by the way we're walking i'm gonna walk you into an ambush now and uh, that's exactly what happened uh-huh uh-huh it's a lot of and fun. that's why i yeah it was it was fun it was a good time. But um, and y- when, if you do something like that, you have to be so careful about it. Like the only reason I did that was number one. Uh, I knew without me telling Taylor, hey, don't be a dick and just like keep <laughs> hitting the unconscious person over and over again. <laughs> like don't don't go out of your way to straight up kill people. Like I'm fine with you being strategic and like killing the healer first. Mm. But like just knocking him to zero is kind of enough. Yeah. Um, I didn't even have to say that. Like he, he's also a DM. He just knew. And then the other thing was like Taylor having a good relationship with the other players so that <laughs> it's not just like I'm bringing in this rando. <laughs> yeah. That would and be it's like, Hey guys, meet Taylor for the first time. He's playing this cool character that you guys are all going to love named Tony two times. Yep. <laughs> God, they just Hilarious. didn't want any of my backstory, man. So funny. Um, <laughs> But anyway, so those are the races that are featured in the player's handbook. <laughs> and we're back. Ring it on back. And, and we're back. Right. there are so many others, but these are the main ones. We'll cover the other ones in future <laughs> episodes and uh-huh. stuff like that. And maybe we'll even like do an episode or two where you and I can create our own characters and see who can out min-max the other. Sure. I don't often get a chance to min-max because it's uh-huh. not how I personally create characters, but I can do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I just, like, choose not to because I'm like, I don't know. Of course, the one time I did it, it was a P- PvP game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You just immediately murdered. I genuinely felt like some people were mad at me. <laughs> no, no. I mean, 
that was fine. <laughs> I was like, I uh, can't tell if this is your character or this is the person. Um, it was a great way to meet those people. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what <laughs> I did. I did the, I did the asshole thing. Um, hey, here's a guy but, who's actually really good at D&D. You guys want to play against him? <laughs> yeah. He also plays shooting video games a lot. So he knows the style of this battle royale style. Yeah. Um, oh, good. Everyone made melee fighters. Great. <laughs> I got sharpshooter, ranger, assassin. I'm shooting from 600 feet away. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. Like it was a joke. But anyway, um, so we talked about class mm-hmm. in the last episode. We talked about race in this episode. Now there's two other parts of character creation, not including like writing your backstory, which like, geez, we could do a whole thing on that later on. But let's talk about background and equipment. Yeah. So the, uh, the background, the background bit, um, that's basically, um, what you were doing before you started adventuring. Like, what was your job? Were you a plumber? Were you a, a performer or a like street thief? Something like that. Like, what were you doing before you actually started going on your, like, the campaign started? Um, basically, who you are without your actual D&D class. Like, if you were level zero, what would you be doing? Yeah. Can you describe how it's different than, like, a backstory? Um, yeah. So, the background is more mechanical, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. It gives you, um, you know, different bonuses, sometimes money, sometimes uh, different items and stuff in your, in your starting equipment. Nothing super crazy, um, but your backstory is actually like, oh, I was a thief because my parents died in a horrible fire and I had to live on the streets for forever mm-hmm. and steal my way to the top to, you know. Yeah, keep keep whatever. it light, Taylor. Keep it light. That's look, man. I'm doing. No, I'm, kidding. I'm, kidding. I'm doing. This is every D and D backstory ever. I know. This is literally every single D and D backstory ever. Don't really put that is. on me. Like I'm some weirdo <laughs> for being that. That is literally like, oh, I need a quick D and D backstory. Yeah, fucking dead oh, parents yeah. living in the streets. That's that Actually, is so many backstories. That's what it is, dude. Note to self: come up with a character. Whose backstory is rainbow and butterfly butterflies butterflies? Jesus butterflies. Christ, Justin, get your fucking good. life together. I know they do. <laughs> God, dude. Anyway, <laughs> I think that would be hilarious to come up with a character who goes on adventures and is like, mm. uh, he's learning all of his teammates' life stories, and he's like, and your parents are dead too. Jesus Christ. Am I the only one who has a loving household? <laughs> what is going on? No, my parents are still married. They love each other. They've been married for 30 years. <laughs> they Send paid for my college? way through college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, that would be so funny. People are like, why are you going after dragons? And he's like, I don't know. I'm taking a year off. <laughs> Doing walkabout. <laughs> Oh, that's a fun character idea, dude. I'm fucking doing that. That's so fun. Okay, cool. Moving (laughs) on. But yes, I think you're totally right. The difference between backgrounds and backstories is backgrounds are much more mechanical and they kind of have themes. Like there's specific backgrounds that you choose from. Mm -hmm. So like the player's handbook will have a bunch of options. Everything from folk hero, acolyte, uh, charlatan, which is my personal favorite, criminal, um, sailor, hermit, sage, soldier, right? Mm-hmm. So you click on one of them here. I'm going to click on soldier just to give us an example. Soldiers, if you have this background, so obviously pretty self-explanatory. Your character used to be a soldier. <laughs> right. You get proficiency in athletics and intimidation, so two skills. You get proficiency in one type of gaming set, which I can guarantee you will never use. <laughs> You'll never use that in a D&D game, but okay. <laughs> you also get proficiency in v- land vehicles. Oh, another boy. Thing you will almost never use. Yeah. You don't get any extra languages, and then you get a bunch of equipment. 
Isn't and one then of there's them like, like a broken sword. Uh, you do what? get you get a trophy taken from a fallen enemy, and one of the i one of the examples is a broken blade. Okay. And then like each background also has personality traits, ideals, bonds, and flaws, and these are just kind of like role playing uh, safety boundaries. Uh, they're like bumpers in bowling. It just gives you a little bit of a a boost if you're not really comfortable with role play. It just gives you a little bit of direction. Yeah, you can use those. You cannot use those. It doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much backgrounds. And then your backstory is like you're like writing out. I was I was in the third infantry. I lost my eye. My parents are happily married for thirty years, <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It's got um, a little column A, a little column B. Yeah, a little bit. Of, <laughs> a little Luckily, my parents have a great health insurance plan. <laughs> I was able to get a replacement eye, no problem. Um, but anyway. <laughs> uh, and then that leads us into equipment. Now, equipment is just the stuff that your, char- your character is using and holding and carrying with them. Mm-hmm. A lot of that is based on your class. So when you open up the player's handbook or bing it, the first things you see, not literally the first, but some of the first things you see in a class will be like, you can choose either a martial weapon or two simple weapons. You can get a great axe or a great sword. You get this kind of armor and you can choose a shield. Here's, I don't know how much gold you have. And, that's just your starting equipment, pretty much. And then as you play along the game, you can loot uh, fallen enemies. You can shop all different kinds of options to yeah. accumulate more and more equipment. I know some DMs will do something in the very beginning of a game where instead of doing starting equipment, they'll do starting gold. And then you can go through the player's handbook and like there are entire tables of like every single weapon that's possible. Like like uh, weapons that are non-magical, like just basic yeah. weapons. And they'll have costs next to them and stuff like that. And same thing with armor, same thing with uh, different tools and all different kinds of stuff. And you can, you'll actually like purchase your starting equipment. Right. I find that to be a little tedious, especially for newer players. 100%. So I usually just stick with the starting equipment because it's kind of like good that. enough. I've, I've done it as a player once or twice, but I've, I've never done it as a DM. Yeah, nope. I like starting gold doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, it's just a more tedious step. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like I've already gone through a bunch of steps to get this character created, and then it's like, oh yeah, you have to buy all your equipment. Like that, um, that one cyberpunk campaign. Oh yeah, we had to do that. Yeah, and oh man. It was, it was kind of complicated. Cool. It was kind of cool, it but it was, was yeah. very complicated. And like, I would never try that system with anybody who's not played a tabletop game before. Like, if that's their first intro into tabletop playing, rough. Very overwhelming. But I totally agree. It, it's hard because I I had to do that for Pathfinder, and that was really hard because. I understood why we did it because there are so many different kinds of items and there's like a bajillion different kinds of armors and stuff like that. And, but it was just so complicated that it was literally just like, I just binged it. I was like, what is the best armor for an alchemist? Yeah. (laughs) And then like look up the cost. And I think we talked about one time that sometimes if you're starting uh, like a one shot or a campaign where the players are already at like a decently, not like a high, high level, but like, let's say they're starting a campaign at like level six or seven mm-hmm. that sometimes will give them like, okay, you have the starting equipment and then you also get two uncommon magic items or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I, um, I like that, especially because as an adventurer, you are expected to have picked stuff up at, by a certain level. Like you're expected to have magic items by the time you're level five, you should have at least one. Yeah. Um, and so I like to, if I'm doing like, it's really good for one shots, like just saying, okay, make your character. You get one magic item rare or lower. 
Yeah. Something like that. Because it really, it adds a bit of the kind of game breakiness of the min-maxing. Like, it, basically, it allows you to kind of focus your character even more. Like, mm-hmm. if you want, if you're going to be a tank, it'd be really nice to have plus one or plus two armor. Or yeah. if you're a spellcaster, there's a couple of really cool staffs out there that have some pretty cool effects. Um, no doubt. Yeah, there are magic items that can hit any one specific attribute that you want to buff. It, there, are, there are magic items to do it. Mm-hmm. And it, maybe you want some magic items to help you out of combat also. Like yeah. um, Nalzer's, uh the Marvelous Pigments. Oh, yeah. I love that item. Where it's like Chalk Zone, where you can just draw things, and then they come to life, or you draw mm-hmm. a picture of a wall, like Looney Tunes. You draw a picture of a door on a wall, and now there's a door there. Yep. Um, that, that stuff is super clutch. Or, like, you could get simple items, like a, fly, a broom of flying, and boom, now your warlock can cast Eldritch Blast from safely out of distance. <laughs> yeah clutch get a iune stone that stores spells so you your warlock now can store more spells oh yeah Dope. i that's that's how i broke my campaign that was one of the very first magic items i gave away was an iune stone for memory for spell storage yep it came back yep, to bite yep, me yep. in the butt so many times yeah for sure speaking of spells and breaking the game uh-huh. on our next episode we're going to be talking not just about spells, but we're going to be talking about combat. Combat is one of the most rule-heavy portions of D&D. So we're going to get into all of the possible things that you can do during a combat. When I say all of the possible most things, like, of the, let's not get crazy. Yeah. Most of the possible things. Most of the possible <laughs> things that you can get into. Most of the things. There's no accounting for taste, really. Like, yeah. There's going, to be, <laughs> there's going to be something that pops up. Can I do that? maybe can i do that (laughs) can i do that (laughs) oh boy well i think that's it yeah character creation uh yeah i think i can't think of anything else on character creation me neither i just created a character for a friend's game um that's a Warforged, specifically a wooden Warforged Druid Paladin. And I'm still thinking about the voice. I was thinking about doing actually like uh, two voices. Like maybe it has a voice when it's like all peaceful and nice. And maybe if I take like head trauma or something like that, it gets into like it's serious robot voice. So Uh it'll go from being like, hello, everyone. And then like, gets hit in the head or something. I have to roll a wisdom saving throw. And then it's like, I am here for death. I scary. Really? (laughs) I want to see footage of you keeping that voice up all night. Oh dog. It's not happening. There's no (laughs) chance. There's no chance. (sighs) There's no chance. I have to also limber up. That was the first time I've done that voice in like a couple months. Yeah. (laughs) Ginger ale is giving me a, uh, I don't want to get into the details, but a little bit of a mucus, <laughs> a little bit of a phlegm. Well, that's Please all we can get off. into this Please time. Sign off the <laughs> but you can find us on TikTok at so you want to be a DM, or ask us a question at so you want to be a DM at gmail.com. Join us next time for more Dungeon Master tips and tricks. Bye. Bye.